What's up, Fusion? How y'all doing? Wow. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here tonight. Um, I'm just so grateful, guys, uh, to be sharing a word with you all tonight. Uh, before I get into that, though, how y'all doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I appreciate you asking. I'm doing great. I'm blessed. You know, I got stuff going on, but God is still good. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, guys, before I move forward, of course, I want to give honor to our pastors, Pastor Vance and Gabrielle in their absence. Can we give it up for them? Yes. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. And I have some very special people in the room that I have to introduce you to. And first and foremost, my, f- let me name it, my beautiful, my beautiful wife, my, 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 oh, no, sorry, got a little out of hand there. Wifey, would you stand, please? This is my wife, Katie. And she's holding our uh, baby boy, Ezra. He's three months old. Um, we also have a one-year-old who's about to be two. He's in childcare right now. Uh, yeah, we didn't waste time. Uh, moving on. Uh, I also want to uh, shout out my mom. Come on, mama, stand up. My mom is in the room. I want to shout out my cousin, Aaron and Krista. You guys know Aaron. Y'all didn't know he's my cousin, but he's my cousin. Go ahead, stand up, Aaron and Krista. Yeah, yeah, that's family. That's family. Uh, And, of course, I want to shout out y'all family, too. Uh, Erastus and Mo, come on, stand up. Stand up, y'all family, too. You know, all my free chapel family, just go ahead and stand up and say hello to everybody. Word. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, you guys, uh, as you know, we've been in a series on connecting with God. How have you guys been enjoying this series? Hasn't it been awesome? Now, with a show of hands, how many of you uh, have had an opportunity to apply some of the things that Pastor Dennis and Pastor Vance were talking about? Have you seen the fruit of it? Amen, amen, amen. Well, check it out, guys. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about connecting with God through worship. And more specifically, we'll be talking about connecting with God, uh, what it looks like to connect with him through our brokenness, worshiping God through our brokenness. Is anybody going through anything difficult right now? Come on, I can't quite see you. I need a show of hands. Is anybody going through anything painful or challenging right now? Amen, amen. Well, I am too. I've been going through some tough stuff. And actually, just last week, I celebrated my 25th birthday. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was such a blessing. Um, my, my wife threw me a little surprise get-together, had some friends over. It was awesome. Um, last week was a week of blessing, but also breaking for me. Uh, I found myself breaking while standing in the middle of a blessing. Have anyone ever experienced that? Yeah. On one end, you're so happy. On the other end, you're breaking. And it was hard for me, but God still deserved my worship. He still deserved my worship. And, uh, you know, it's been on my heart as of late. I've been in prayer and, you know, just seeking God. And he's been sharing with me that a lot of us are going through some, some, some challenges. He's been sharing with me that there's a lot of pain that a lot of us are facing and, and going through. We've been battling with uh, sickness. There's some of you in this room that have been battling uh, with just some personal pain things that no one knows about, uh, pain in your body, pain in your mind. You're just confused about your life, uh, pain in your family. Maybe there's discord and division in your family that you've been going through, and it's been tough and challenging. You've been seeking God. Um, and maybe even uh, some pain that feels like you've been broken beyond repair. I'm sure there's some of you here tonight that feel that way about your life. Maybe you feel broken beyond repair. But how many know that Jesus can put anything back together? He can put anything back together. And, uh, you know, I even go as far to say, you know, there's some, there's, there's pop, there, there may be possibly some of you in this room 
that have some pain that you've been ignoring. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe some of the things I shared, you know, didn't quite resonate with you right now. Maybe you just got a promotion at your job. Maybe you have nothing to complain about. You have everything to be grateful for. But could it be that there is some pain that you swept under the rug years ago that you quite haven't brought to God and dealt with? But we're going to deal with it tonight. Because it is in our ability to be broken before Jesus where we will experience intimacy with Jesus. Into me, see. In order for him to see. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. He sees everything. But he don't force himself on anybody. You're going to go through some stuff. And if you're not going through some stuff right now, eventually you will. You will. Because in this life, there's trouble. You're going to face things. And it's important that we come to a place and that we become, that we learn to posture ourselves before the king that says, you know what, Lord, this doesn't feel good. I'm naked and exposed. But I know, I know, Lord, that you can, you're the only one that can Hold me together. Amen? Awesome. So uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit God, would you fall afresh on us? Jesus, you're already in this room. I don't even have to ask you to come. Before we even ask, you're already here, Jesus, because you love us. Lord Jesus, would you pour out your spirit upon us? Would you open our ears to hear what you want to say to us tonight? Lord Jesus, I decrease you increase. Lord, I incline my ear to your voice. Would you speak to me? And Lord, would you help me to articulate your heart tonight? Lord Jesus, have your way. We yield, we surrender mind, body, soul, and spirit. And we're ready to hear from you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I never really connected with God until I found myself falling apart. I was raised in church. Anybody was raised in church? Woo, all of (laughs) y'all. Not all of (laughs) y'all. A lot of y'all raised y'all hand, though. I was shocked. Um, That's dope. Y'all have parents that raised you in church, or you have family that raised you in church. I've been in church my whole life. All I know is church. (laughs) We had church every Sunday, sometimes Sunday nights. We had church on Tuesdays for young adults. We had church on Wednesdays for prayer, (laughs) more prayer. (laughs) We had rehearsals on Thursdays. And on Fridays, we had special events that were special almost every week. (laughs) I was in church all the time. And if I wasn't in church, oh, did I forget to mention, my mom, she led a ministry back home. And I think it was on Thursdays where we did ministry in another location. So if I wasn't at church, I was doing something (laughs) church-related. And I just remember singing in the choir. I remember uh, being on the altar team. I was an usher. I'm not, no, not that kind of usher. Not that kind of usher. I don't want to stop now. I'm I'm the guy into it now. (laughs) I was an usher. I had the little white shirt on at the door, holding the car. Please pay your tithes today, praise the Lord. (laughs) God is watching you. (laughs) (laughs) oh man you know and I'm just grateful to have had a mother who prays for me anybody had a mother who prayed for them yeah I'm grateful to have a mother who prayed for me I'll walk in on her 3 4 a.m. why are you up she was up in in the name of Jesus keep him Lord cover him protect him God going in. I was just shut the door. Like. <laughs> it's true, though. Y'all ever walked in on your mom going in like war room? I mean, going in. <laughs> My mom always prayed for me. I'm, I'm so grateful to have, to have had a mom who prayed for me, who covered me as a child. Um, I'm sure a lot of you, just from the sound of the room, can relate to that childhood. But it was all around the age of 12 when I really began to take a step back and uh, take a look at my life. You know, as a child, your focus is fun. 
But there comes a time where you start to be observant and start questioning things and get curious about things. And it was around the age of 12 where I began to wonder about everything. I'm like, Lord, why do I worship you? Why am I lifting my hands? Why am I singing? Why am I shouting? Why do I go to the altar? All these things when I'm really, I'm really lonely. I'm battling with this deep brokenness in these wounds. I felt inadequate most of the time, and I just felt like nobody saw me. I felt like I was living a lie while trying to represent the truth. And it was all because of one thing, the absence of my biological father. I'm sure there's some of you in this room who can relate to that, not having your father in your life. Or maybe it wasn't your father. Maybe it was your, your mother. And I just begin to question God and just ask him, God, what did I do wrong? Am I, am I not enough? Why don't he want me? I'm going to church trying to lead people into a place of healing knowing that I need it the most, walking around like everything's okay. But eventually, everything in me, it just it started to spill out, and I couldn't hide it from people anymore. A lot of my prayers sounded like, God, why? Anybody ever yell at God? Yes. <laughs> like you think you yelling at God. <laughs> but I used to yell at God. I'm like, Lord, Why? God, why? I just don't understand. I go to the park and I see these fathers with their kids holding their hand, holding them. I want that. And God always plays father figures in my life who I'm beyond grateful for, beyond grateful for. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that I didn't still have this void in my heart that needed to be filled. It was that idea of, God, there's just this person missing. I know that you've placed someone else here, and I'm grateful, but there's still this void I can't ignore. And I spent most of my childhood wondering, trying to figure out why, searching for answers. And so I began to ask God, why is this happening? when I have a praying mother? Why is this happening when I go to church daily? I pray for people, I serve. I'm in my word, I'm seeking your face. See, my mom had me set up right. She did her part. But how many know that she can't make me have intimacy with Jesus? And life's going to happen. A lot of us in this room were set up right, but some things started going wrong. Intimacy with Jesus can't be taught. It's not something you can just throw together. You got to go through some stuff. And this was my story. And God wanted to use it for his glory. I would pray, and I didn't want to address God as Father. <laughs> I didn't want to say, Father. I was like, you know, God, because there was a wound, a deep wound on the inside of me. And, you know, a part of it is my fault because I never communicated with anybody. I never told anybody what I was going through. I know there's a lot of you in this room tonight who have been facing things your whole life by yourself. And you're not telling anyone what you're going through. You're one of those people who just navigates things on your own. Is anybody in this room who used to just kind of dealing with things and navigating things. I see a couple of you, you're like. <laughs> There's some of you in this room that have been navigating things on your own your entire life. Because you were taught, don't, don't cry, be strong. You hurt yourself, and you're like, oh, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Since when do we get to decide when someone's finished being in pain? 
You know, I was sharing something about my son tonight. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be two years old soon. And, you know, he's at that age where he's getting into everything. He's literally getting into everything, and he's hurting himself. And just a few, uh, just like a week ago, <laughs> he, he found himself running so fast. So he's discovering things. He's, he thinks he's a superhero. <laughs> he thinks he's indestructible, literally. Like, he's jumping off the couch. Like, nothing's, like he has no fear of what could go wrong. He's jumping off the couch. He's seeing how, exactly how fast can I run. <laughs> and he's running as fast as he can. And let me just tell y'all, he, he has bust his lip probably four times in the last two weeks. Literally. He's bust his lip probably four times in the last two weeks. And everything in me wants to catch him right before he falls. But realistically, I, it's, it's impossible for me to catch him every time he's about to fall. And so I told myself, you know, I may not be able to catch him before he falls, but maybe I can catch him after he falls. What am I saying? God has called me and my wife to be conduits of his compassion, of his grace, of his love, his empathy. And so I may not be able to stop him from hurting himself, but I can catch him after he falls in his heart. And I can meet him where he is and not say, you're okay, you're okay. I can say it's okay because there's a difference between you're okay and it's okay. And so having a son, God is teaching me some things. And I know that oftentimes we act like pain didn't really happen and we just move on with our life. <laughs> we just move on. Maybe some of you grew up with parents or family members that went through pain, went through trial, tribulation, and acted like it wasn't there. And they just was like, you know what, we good. <laughs> But really, you're not. And when we teach people to suck it up, what we're really doing is teaching them to be numb while calling it strength. <laughs> and so now when you get older, people start facing and going through things, and God can't really use you because you've never really faced anything. You just swept it under the rug. And so you can't be empathetic with people, and you can't be compassionate, and you can't really meet them where they are because you haven't been honest with yourself your whole life. <laughs> and now we wonder why we struggle. We struggle to be engaged with God and connect with him because we've not learned to be broken before him and fall apart. See, the world says falling apart means that you're weak. The world tells us that, oh, if you break, you're not qualified. The world tells us that if we fall apart, <laughs> then that means you're not enough. But how many know that we serve a God who is oftentimes counterintuitive? What does that mean? That means that he's oftentimes the opposite of common sense. And let's see what God has shared in his word concerning being weak. I want us to turn. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to read it together. <laughs> Y'all ready? All right. It says, But he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weaknesses. <laughs> Isaiah 40, verse 29, it says, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. See, what man calls broken, God calls chosen. What man sees as the ending, God sees as just the beginning. Man says it's over. There's no hope. God says, I am hope. Man sees your problems. Jesus sees his plans and his purpose for your life. Man sees the outward. 
Jesus sees what? He sees the heart. And so when I'm weak, I gain power. And when I'm powerless, I become stronger. See, God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so to be intimate and close to the one who sits on high, we must be willing to be broken and worship him at his feet. Somebody say this with me. Our greatest gain is at the feet of Jesus. Let's make it personal. My greatest gain is at the feet of Jesus. So if we want to experience intimacy with Jesus, then we have to be willing to fall apart. Has anyone ever fallen apart in this room? Yeah. (laughs) Something beautiful happens when we fall apart. See, it's ugly to the world, but in the eyes of Jesus, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful representation of our love for him when we are willing to fall apart before him, when we are willing to cry and let those tears flow. You know, it's, it was in times where I actually let those tears flow down my face where I was able to hear God the most. There are some of us that, will, that, that are holding those tears in. Not that it's about crying. It's not about crying. Here's the thing. Sometimes our tears are the keys that opens the door of our hearts. Something supernatural happens when we break before God. When we allow ourselves to be broken before Jesus, something beautiful happens. A level of intimacy and closeness that we would not be able to experience happens when we just, when we just lay it at his feet and say, you know what, God? Here's everything I am. Here's everything that I have. There's some of you in this room tonight that want to be intimate with Jesus, but you've been struggling because you're afraid to be vulnerable with him because it was hard for you to be vulnerable with people. Could it be that God is paying for the mistakes of someone else in your life? Because he wants your brokenness. He wants your pain. But could it be that someone hurt you? Someone broke your heart. As a child, you trusted someone. You put your hope in someone, and they let you down. Could it be that you're having a hard time worshiping God in public and engaging with him in private because you're not willing to fall apart anymore. You've been taught to be tough. I know a lot of my guys, we struggle with that. Because oftentimes culture tells us to be strong, toughen up. But the word tells us it is in our weakness where we are made strong. So if I ignore my weakness, I'm just making myself numb and I'm lying to myself. That's why it's important that we read God's word. (laughs) It's the spirit that gives us life. John 6, 63. The flesh profits nothing. So what does that mean? The word speaks to our spirit. Man speaks to your flesh. That's why when I'm speaking to you tonight, I have to decrease. And he has to increase. So that the words that I'm sharing actually hit. (laughs) They won't hit if I'm talking. The word tells us, I believe it's Isaiah 58, 12 or so. He says, who is blind but my servant? Who is deaf but my messenger? What does that mean? When I am blind and deaf to the world, I can see and hear the things of God. And so I have to shut off so the Holy Spirit dwelling in me can activate 
and stand in the forefront of my being. That's what it means to present your body a living sacrifice. I die so that he may live. What does Galatians 2.20 tell us? For I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Amen? Amen. Let me take a sip. <laughs> Living water. <laughs> Something beautiful happens. <laughs> we are willing to worship God even while we are breaking. I want us to turn to Luke 7, uh, verse 36 to 48. We're going to read in the Amplified Version if you're following along. I love this story. It's uh, the anointing in Galilee. And it's really the foundation of this message. And I really want you guys to lean in and really listen because I believe that God wants to speak to each of us tonight. All right, let's read. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house in the region of Galilee and reclined at the table. Now there was a woman in the city who was known as a sinner. And when she found out that she was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial jar of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began wetting his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with the hair of her head and respectfully kissed his feet as an act signifying both affection and submission and anointed them with the perfume. Now when Simon the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, and that she is a notorious sinner, an outcast, devoted to sin. Verse 44, it says, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, but you failed to extend to me the usual courtesy shown to a guest. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears. How many know it takes a lot of tears to wet somebody's feet? Because <laughs> look, little one, two. Why would I need my hair to dry that? <laughs> like, no, she was, you know, she was wetting his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair, demonstrating her love. You gave me no welcoming kiss, but from the moment I came in. She has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not even anoint my head with ordinary oil, but she has anointed my feet with costly and rare perfume. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I want us to go back to verse 39. It says, Now when Simon the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching his feet, who is touching him, and that she's a notorious sinner, an outcast, devoted to sin. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself... <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in a room surrounded by people who you knew didn't like you. <laughs> but because of one person that was in the room, you wanted to be there? Have you ever found yourself in church? <laughs> Worshiping God. <laughs> Surrounded by people who knew everything about you? Who knew what you was doing that weekend? And you... 
Thank you, Jesus. I know what that's like. Being surrounded by people who knew things about me, but still God deserved my worship. Still he deserved my worship. Hmm. I believe that's how that woman felt. I believe that's how she felt in that moment. But she didn't care. She didn't care because she knew who was in the room. What if we came to Fusion and we worship Jesus because he's in this place? (laughs) And because we knew he was here. Not because your friends are here or some family are here, but we worshiped him because he's in the room. And we weren't concerned about what those around us thought about us. <laughs> See, a lot of times we read this passage of scripture and we focus in on the aspect of Jesus forgiving her sins and or we focus on all the hurtful things the Pharisee said about her. But as I was studying this, Uh, I believe God showed me something that I hadn't seen before. He showed me her point of view, uh, and he just began to speak to me about her heart. And something that I noticed and what I find super interesting about this passage of Scripture is that uh, from the moment she entered the house all the way until the end of the story, she didn't say one word. (laughs) She She didn't say one word. And I I find that interesting uh, because let somebody say something about you. (laughs) You ready to pop off? You ready to defend yourself? (laughs) She's mocked. Doesn't say a word. She just worships. She's belittled. Doesn't say a word. She just worships. (laughs) She's reminded of her past. Doesn't say a word. She just... She just worships. Because the one who really mattered in that moment was in the room. When we come to fusion, I think it's important that we don't focus on who's in the room standing next to us, but we focus on the one who's dwelling on the inside of us. Amen? But if her worship had words... I kind of imagine it sounding something like this. Jesus, I love you. I'm worshiping you because you know everything about me. And still you love me. I worship you because you know the mistakes I've made. And still you want me. I don't care who's in this room. I don't care who knows what about me. All I care is that you're here. I wasn't even invited. She done broke in somebody's house. Because she knew who was in town. (laughs) Like, you just walk in, door. Like, uninvited. (laughs) <laughs> I'm silly, y'all. <laughs> but Jesus, I worship you because you know who I am, and still you love me. And so because of that, I wet your feet with my tears. And I'll take my hair, and I'll dry them. She may, have, she may have kept quiet that entire time, but her worship spoke volumes. I know sometimes we think that we got to be loud when we with God. But true intimacy, true intimacy happens oftentimes when we are, and it's our outward expression. It's our heart. That's why he said he's looking for someone that is willing to worship in spirit and in truth. 
And he's searching for someone like that. John 4, verse 23, verse 23 to 24, it says, The hour is coming and is now here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking people who will worship him in this way, where it is no longer about a temple or a place, but it's about a matter of a heart. And she may, have, she may not have said a word in that moment, but her worship, her worship, her worship, her worship spoke volumes to Jesus. And they were talking about her, but guess who defended her? She didn't have to say a word. He defended her. Do you see this woman? I came in your house. And she's treating me, she's caring for me like this is her home. Jesus loved on her regardless of what she was facing and going through. She came to the end of herself. The world will tell us that falling apart means that you're a lost cause or that you've lost the battle or you lost the fight. But falling apart means that you've come to the end of yourself. Something amazing happens when we come to the end of ourselves. When we come to the end of our imagination, our ideas about what people think about us. When we come to the end of ourselves and we're willing to worship no matter who's standing around and we're willing to worship regardless of what people may be saying or who remembers what about your past. When we come to the end of ourselves, we step into the beginning of intimacy with Jesus. I decrease that you may increase in my life, God. She poured it all out on her feet, on his feet. Everything that was valuable to her, she broke it open. Every time I come to worship, you guys see me up here. (laughs) But what you don't know is, oftentimes when I'm up here worshiping, I'm in a lot of pain. I should have sent you the pictures. (laughs) But every, Oftentimes when I'm up here worshiping, there's boils all over my skin, all over my body, and rashes everywhere. And I've been facing that since I started working at the church. And so when I'm worshiping, I'm in so much pain, it's hard to even stand. My, my, my clothes are touching my skin and it's painful. I'm up all night scratching to the point of bleeding, constantly gotta get new sheets. I'm seeing doctors, taking all kinds of medicine. I've never been sick my whole life. My whole life. And my face is peeling. I'm like overproducing skin. I can't explain what's going on. But still I worship him because of what he's worth to me. She broke it all open at his feet because that's what, that's what he was worth to her. Now let me ask you, what is Jesus worth to you? What is he worth to you? See, this is when worship becomes worth-ship. Worth-ship. When we worship him because he's worth our worship. He's worth the breaking open of our jar. Every time I come to worship, now I'm breaking open a jar before him. No matter what I'm going through, I'm, I'm, I'm wetting his feet with my tears because that's what he deserves. He deserves my tears. He deserves my broken worship. See, a lot of times we're in the sanctuary and we think we gotta be put together. You know, we're here trying to find a spouse. <laughs> we're focused on the wrong things. <laughs> but let me, let, me, let, me give you a, uh, let me give you a tip. Focus on Jesus. Lock your eyes in on Jesus. Worship him. Don't focus on the person next to you. And while you're focused on Jesus, out of nowhere, God will lift a veil. And a man that finds a wife finds a good thing. But that doesn't just go for the men in the room. That goes for the ladies too. Because while you're following Jesus, you're going to look over one day and somebody's just going to be there. Like, they're just going to be right there. You're going to be like, where you come from? Oh, I was just serving the Lord. <laughs> Amen. 
Man, Matthew 6, 20 to 21, it says, don't lay up for yourself treasures in earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. It says, instead, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, thieves don't break in and steal. Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you make Jesus your treasure, he has no problem with blessing you. No problem with blessing you. What does this word tell us? Psalm 37, verse 4 to 5, it tells us, verse 4, it says, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in Jesus, and he will give you your heart's desires. Verse 5 says, commit your ways and your plans to him. <laughs> Trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. He'll do it. But he wants the center. He wants your broken worship. So what is he worth to you? What is he worth to you? And I want you to really, really think about this question because a lot of you are in pain. A lot of you are suffering. A lot of you are going through some things that nobody knows about and you've been carrying it on your own. And God wants your broken worship. But let me just tell you, if you can't give God your pieces, you'll never surrender your heart to him. You'll never surrender your heart. See, he just wants you to let him in. He just wants you to crack the door. He just wants you to crack the door. Because too often we're in church, we're doing the things of God, but God is more concerned about what he's doing in you than what he's doing for you. Philippians 1 verse 6, it tells us, he is faithful to complete the work. He who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. So he's more concerned about what he's doing in you than what he's doing for you. So he needs you to let him in your heart, the broken, deep places where you don't want anybody to, anybody to go into, those places where you've been hiding since you were 12 years old. See, now I'm gonna talk about some stuff because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me in this moment and I need you to really listen. There's some of you in this room that have been facing things that have issues today based upon problems you've had when you were a child. And God needs you to deal with that. He needs you to bring it to him. And he needs you to give him a chance. He's saying, daughter, <laughs> he's saying, I've been after your heart for a long time. He's saying, son, I've been chasing you down. He says, you have no idea how much I understand what you're going through. He's saying, I've been mishandled. I've been broken by people. If anyone knows what it's like to be, break, to be broken and to fall apart, it's me. Look what I did for you. He's saying, I want your hurt. I want your pain. I don't want you to be numb. I want you to be like me. See, I don't sit in my pain. I acknowledge it. I come face to face with it, and I give it the truth. See, the woman with the alabaster jar, she had heard some things about Jesus. She heard he was a healer. <laughs> she heard that he was a mender of broken hearts and that he bandages wounds. She heard that he was in town and she let nothing stop her from being at his feet. She let nothing stop her from being in the room. He's in the room tonight. He's in the room tonight. And he wants your childhood trauma. I have to say this because I just hear the Holy Spirit saying this. Jesus is saying sorry right now. God says, I'm sorry for what happened to you. 
Jesus. He says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, daughter. I'm so sorry, daughter. He's saying, I'm sorry they weren't there. I'm sorry you trusted them. And they didn't take care of your heart like you thought they would. He's saying, son, I know you're strong. I know you're tough. But I also know there's nights where you cry yourself to sleep. Because putting on that mask is getting old. And everything you've been numb to is starting to die off and you're beginning to spill over. See, when I was younger and I was dealing with all those things, I started to spill over into every area of my life. Everything I was going through, it started to spill over. Some of you are spilling over right now and you need help. It's the enemy's desire that you face things and go through things and you just drown in it. Am I saying that if you share it with someone that all your problems will be solved? No, but they may be able to help you swim to shore. Healing is not something that's just gonna happen over, overnight. Healing is a journey. God wants to be with you. He, he's the healer. He's the healer. But in order for him to, to begin his work, you've got to give him an invitation. He will not force himself. There's some of you in this room tonight that want intimacy with Jesus. You want to be close to him. But everything in you is just having a hard time. It's like you come in and you're hitting a brick wall every time. And it's because you haven't given him those broken places. So what's it going to take? How many more letdowns? How many more broken hearts? How much more confusion? What's it going to take for you to let him in? What's it going to take for you to be broken before him like this woman was? Man may not want you to, he may not want your tears. Man may not want your tears, but Jesus, something beautiful happens when we give that to him. I believe that God uses our tears to communicate with us. Some people don't cry on the outside. They cry on the inside. It's not about people seeing you cry. It's about opening that door on the inside of you, letting Jesus in in a way that no one else can comfort you about letting him in in a way that no one else can be there for you. He's the mender of broken hearts. He bandages our wounds. And so I offer you the invitation tonight to run boldly to the throne of grace and run boldly to his loving arms because he's saying to you tonight, I want to love you. I want all that brokenness. You feel like you don't need anyone to see. You feel like you got to come to church and put this facade on. But 1 Samuel 16, 7, what does it say? We, we, we quoted it earlier. It says, man sees the outward, but God sees our hearts. Isaiah 63, verse 9, it says, in all of our affliction, he's afflicted. So what is God saying? You look good on the outside, but I know who's crying on the inside. You might be able to hide from people, but you'll never be able to hide from God. Eventually, you will spill over, whether in his arms or out of it. <laughs> but it's better you spill over in his arms because then he can protect you. He can protect you. So I wanna ask everybody to stand. yet to meet the healer. Some of you have yet to meet the mender of broken hearts. 
but he wants to meet with you. I never really connected with him until I was willing to fall apart. Worship is for falling apart. That's the premise of this message, is that worship is for falling apart. That's what it's for. Worship says, God, here I am. I yield, I surrender. God, I'm broken. God, would you put me back together? Tonight, I came on a mission. (laughs) Because I know there's so many of you in this room, so many of us in this room, that don't sleep at night. We're tossing and turning, we're having nightmares. We're facing challenges that no one knows about. Secret, personal pain that no one knows about. Only Jesus knows about it. He just waits at the side of your bed. He's like, like he, he, you're just like, been hurt too many times. You want me to let you in? I can't even see you. People have hurt me right in my face. If that's you tonight, the altar is open. I want to give you the opportunity to bring those pieces to Jesus. And don't wait for the person next to you. If you take away anything from this message tonight, take away this. You will never be able to experience the glory of God, his presence and fullness until you are willing to be broken before him. You won't. Because he wants all of you. The good, the bad, the ugly, He wants all of that. Everything you don't want anyone to see, he wants all of it. So I want to give you the opportunity. If that's you, come on down right now. Come on down right now. Run boldly into his loving arms. You're not coming to me. I can't do anything for you. But Jesus can. Jesus can. He can. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to pray, and we're going to go into a time of worship. And that invitation stays open. It stays open. So if that's you tonight, and you need to bring something to God, you need to bring some broken pieces to him, if there's some hurt, if there's some trauma, if there's some brokenness, if there's some memories of your past, that you know to this day are hindering you from being able to connect with God and engage with him in a special and intimate way, if that's something that's hindering you, you need to bring it to him tonight. You got to bring it to him tonight. The word tells us that our lives are that of a vapor. (laughs) We're here for a little bit of time, and then we're Life is short, and the challenges we face are real. They're real. There's a lot of us in this room that worship God because we were taught to, and we were told to, and not because we want to. Religion says, (laughs) have to. Relationship says, want to. Religion says, do it. Relationship says, I get to do it. In order for us to shift from a place of taught to to want to, 
got to fall apart. You got to fall apart. <laughs> and real quick, I want to speak to the men in the room. Jesus. I'm actually going to pray before I speak to the men. Lord Jesus, right now, God, Holy Spirit anointing fall afresh in this place. Right now, God, I bind, rebuke, and destroy every work of the enemy. Every spirit of anger, frustration, bitterness, animosity, unforgiveness, hard-heartedness, strife. Jesus. Every spirit, God, that isn't like you, I cut it off right now. And I cast it out by the finger of God. Luke 11, verse 20. Lord Jesus Christ, let your glory fill our hearts in this moment. I come against bitterness and unforgiveness. I declare and decree Jesus right now that we're going to forgive some people tonight. We're going to forgive some people tonight, not because they deserve it, but because you forgave us. See, forgiving a person doesn't mean that they're off the hook. It means that you take them off your hook and you put them on God's. God will deal with them. But for your sake and your relationship with Jesus... There's some hurt and some pain that you got to release to Jesus. He says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. I care for you. He's a love like none other. He wants to love you deeply. And he wants to meet with you in a special way. A lot of times we think, oh, that's what that person has with God. They're intimate with him. That's not something that I got. <laughs> but it's not true. He wants that with all of us. But it starts with us. He did his work on the cross. But he won't force himself on you. When you see people functioning in, search, in such a way, and it looks like they're intimate with Jesus and all these things, it's because they've fallen apart and they've come to the end of themselves. The question is, are you willing to come to the end of yourself? I know they hurt you. But how much is Jesus worth to you? <laughs> I know your life was set up right, but some things went wrong. But how much is Jesus worth to you? <laughs> I'm still talking because there's some of you who haven't come down yet. And I'm not going to point you out, although I could. <laughs> but you need to come down right now and stop allowing the enemy to speak to you. Stop allowing him to decide whether or not you're going to get free right now. Stop allowing him to decide whether or not you're going to be intimate with him for the rest of your days. And so men, I want to speak to you. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. There's some of you in this room tonight, men. My brothers, I love you all, but let me tell you something. God has called us to lead. He's called us to step into. He's called us to surrender to him in such a way that he will be able to move and operate and function in and through us. But there are some of you in this room that are too concerned about people and what they think about you. Can I encourage you tonight to let go of all of that? <laughs> Please? I've been through that. I'll be up here singing, going crazy. I don't care what y'all think of me no more. I don't care what people think of me. I do care that I'm carrying the name of Jesus well and that they see him in me. That I care about, but I will not let people's opinion of me decide whether or not I live for him. I will not let people's opinion of me decide whether or not I'm going to be broken before him. Some of the men in the room, we're so focused on other things oftentimes. And I'm saying this not to come for you, but I've been through it. <laughs> I've been there. God had to bring me through that. We're so focused on other things that don't matter that we miss it. We miss it every week. 
He wants to spend time with us at home and we miss it. We miss it, we miss it, we miss it. Because we're afraid to cry. We're afraid that, oh, if I lift my hands, I'm not tough. (laughs) If I fall to my knees, then that means I'm weak. Yeah, it does mean you're weak, but it is in your weakness that he is made strong. And let me tell you something. A woman of God loves a man that is willing to fall to his knees before Jesus. So while you're focused on getting a wife, be focused on the king. Be focused. Why don't nobody see me? Am I not attractive? <laughs> no, you're not not attractive. You're made in his image and in his likeness. You're a man of God. But you got to be willing to worship like one. So can I encourage you tonight to worship like you love Jesus? and stop being concerned about who's staring at you. Let your worship, let your worship speak volumes tonight. Let it speak volumes tonight. You know what, make it your mission tonight. You know what, God, I'm gonna worship you because of what you're worth to me. And I ain't gonna be concerned about what people are thinking of me. I ain't ain't gonna be concerned about how people, what they may know about my past because of my future. My future is secure in you, God. I know my dad wasn't there for you, for me. That may be your story. I know my dad wasn't there. I know my mom wasn't there. I know I've been abandoned. There's some men in this room who have been molested, who have been through some things that are very sensitive that they're afraid to bring out into the open because they're men and we're taught to be strong and we're taught to, you know, it happened, but you know, I'm good, God got me. (laughs) He wants to have you, but even that he wants you to bring to him. And I'm saying that because there's some men in this room who have been through some things that were out of their control at a young age and some even older. And he needs you to bring that to him. He needs you to bring it to him. Don't live a life of being numb and calling it strength. We're going to go into a time of worship. And I encourage you, if any of that speaks to you, And if God speaks to you in this moment, even as we worship, respond, 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 respond. I believe God wants to take us to another level of worship here at Fusion. Does anybody want another level of worship here at Fusion? I do. But it's going to take some vulnerability. So, Lord Jesus, right now, God, even as we get ready to worship you, God, and break our bottles open before you, Lord Jesus, would you help us, God, to yield and surrender to you, Jesus? Would you help us, God, to fix our eyes on you and help us, God, to take a leap into the newness that you have for us, Jesus? This night is going to be life-changing for a lot of people. A lot of people will never be the same after tonight, and that can be you too. So don't Don't miss the move. Don't miss the move tonight. God's about to pour out a supernatural glory in this room. Some people are about to get healed from some deep, deep wounds. Deep wounds. So don't be distracted. Don't allow anything to distract you. Don't be playing around. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's press in. Okay, can we do that together? Amen. Let's worship, y'all.